Welcome to the Islands Christian Church Podcast. We're so glad you're listening with us today. You can worship with us in person in Savannah, Georgia, or with our live stream every Sunday at 10 a.m. Take a minute to subscribe to this podcast to hear a new message every Monday. Thanks for listening. Who likes to be around needy people? Like you just love needy people. That's weird. It's not, that's weird. It's not many people at all in this room. Okay, who is kind of needy? Oh, we got a few people willing to admit they're kind of needy. Okay. Not very many, though. Let's be honest. Like, like almost everybody was like, I don't like to be around needy people. And only like five, five of you admitted you that you're kind of needy. You don't have many friends, do you? <laughs> right? Or at least they're pretending to be your friend. Because here's the thing. Like, people, um, we, don't really like needy, we don't really like needy people. Like, that's, that's the thing. Um, and we really like to imagine that we're not needy. But it's purely an imagination. Right? Every single one of us, if we're honest... We're needy. Think about it. You're needy. You you get your feelings hurt. You kind of want things. You expect things because down deep, we're needy. And I just want to tell you, today we're starting this series called Needy People because all of us are needy. Every single person here is needy. And it's hard to believe. It's hard to imagine that it's true. But what we're going to be doing in this series is unpacking the ways that you and I are actually needy and how when we're willing to admit our neediness, we can receive grace for that neediness. When we acknowledge our neediness, we can receive grace and we can also be prepared to give grace. Now today, I want to talk about uh, the need that every one of us have, whether you're sitting in the room here, you're online watching, you're listening to a podcast, every single one of us has this need. We all have the need for the love of Christ. Every single person, even if you don't believe in Jesus, even if you don't buy into the story of the gospel, you're not sure what you believe about God, I'm telling you, every single person on the planet who's breathing right now is needy for the love of Christ in their life. Now, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at a story um, from Luke chapter 7. Because here's the thing, even though every single one of us is in need of the love of Christ, not everybody receives it. Not everybody gets their need met. Not everybody will receive this deep thing they need, the love of Christ. Only some people get it. Some people don't get it. And we're going to look at this story, and I'm going to show you, hopefully, why some people receive their greatest need met, the love of Christ, and some don't. And I think in this story, you're going to see maybe a little bit of of yourself in one of the characters. In this story, uh, Luke chapter 7, it's a, you've got to remember, Luke is a biographer, so he's writing a biography. He's writing stories about Jesus' life. And I, I want to say this very quickly. This story we're going to read, it's about two, ser- two searchers or two seekers, two people looking uh, for a truth about Jesus. So we have, we have two searchers, two seekers. And, and what you're going to see as we look closely at this story is one finds what they need and one doesn't. And you're going to see why. So let's just jump in. It's a long section of Scripture to read, so just bear with me. It'll be on the screen, uh, starting in verse 36 of uh, Luke chapter 7. This is what it says. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. 
Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him in saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, and that she is a sinner. Verse 40. You really can't have private thoughts around Jesus. Do you guys know that? It's kind of weird. You, do you think you're thinking something? And, and Jesus goes, listen to this. Jesus answered him. Like, I've been listening to what you're thinking, Simon. J- Jesus answered him, verse 40. Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. And so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman. Now, he turns towards the woman, but he's still talking to Simon. He turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, let's just get the story straight in our head. Let's get the character straight. All right? Um, They are in Simon the Pharisees. They're in his house. They're eating at a banquet or some type of party. Uh, And it wasn't, you need to know this about this culture at the time, it wasn't uncommon that if you threw a party or a banquet in your home, that people from off the street would just wander in. And I know that sounds strange to you now, like like if we went to your house today for a party and your neighbors just kind of like wandered in, but this was common in this culture. And the the reason it was, was because the Pharisees and the wealthy people wanted to show off their wealth. They wanted to show off they were well-to-do. And so the house was open to the public. Now, you couldn't come in and sit down and eat and participate in the banquet. You could only observe and you could listen to what was happening. And so we have uh, this woman who comes in off the street to just listen and to watch the banquet. Now, another thing you need to know about this story is they would not have been sitting at tables. Like if I went to your house today for lunch, if we sat at your table, we'd be sitting there at the table in front of us and our feet on the floor. This is not how they sat. They would have been reclining on pillows or small couches, and there uh, would have been like small tables low to the ground with the food spread out before them. This is why Jesus' feet are exposed to the woman's face, her tears, because they're not sitting at tables like we would sit at tables. Now, Of all the people that are in this house that day, and there would have been many people, servants and other people wandering around the house, of all the people that are in that house that day, Jesus draws uh, our attention, Luke draws our attention to three people. Luke draws our attention to Jesus, uh, Simon the Pharisee, the owner of the house, and the woman who comes in off the street. So these are the the characters. So we have uh, the woman, we have Simon, and we have Jesus. Now, Luke describes the woman in a very specific type of way, doesn't he? Uh, Look at verse 37. He describes her in a very specific way. He says, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life. She was a sinful woman. She is most likely a prostitute. The Greek literally says this, a woman of the city, sinner. Now, a woman of the city, we, we kind of know what's going on here. This is most likely a prostitute. 
But something has drawn her to Jesus. Something has caused her to come in off the street, into this house, into this banquet, surrounded by religious and well-to-do people. A a moment for her to to kind of get out of her station and to go into this house and to um, uh, to be basically out of her element. And it's possible that she had heard of Jesus. Like maybe she had heard stories about him. It's also possible that in the preceding days, Luke tells us that Jesus had been healing lots of people and raising a dead person and giving uh, sight to the blind. It's possible that she had seen all these miracles and she's interested in Jesus. It's also possible that she heard Jesus preach uh, the coming of the kingdom of God and the forgiveness of sins. And she thought, oh, this is, like, this is true. I can finally be forgiven. I can have the reset button done with my life and I can start over my life. And, and Jesus is the one who can do that. Maybe she had already come to believe in Jesus, that he was the Messiah. Maybe she had already experienced some life change because she had experienced Jesus. We don't know, but we do know this. This woman uh, was willing to risk embarrassment and being cast out to walk into this party so she could be close to Jesus. Something motivated her. But then we have Simon. Simon, he's a Pharisee. Now, if you're not kind of new to the Bible, not sure what the, you know, haven't been around the Bible long, you're like, what's a Pharisee? It just basically means this guy's a religious person who's very morally good. I I, I know we like to talk like we don't like Pharisees in church, but I promise you, I know most of you, and most of you would like Pharisees if you knew them. Is that too hard? This This is what Pharisees did in the time. Pharisees walked around and said, hey, listen, I'm doing it right. I'm living right. You should be right. You see, and they weren't lying. Uh, Pharisees were morally upstanding people. They, they did the right thing. They were good people. They lived a moral lifestyle. And they just simply wanted other people to do the right thing. Can anybody relate to the Pharisees? They did the right thing. And they just wanted other people to do, to do the right thing. They were, they were followers of the rules. And they followed the rules. This is Simon. But just like the woman, Simon's also a little interested in Jesus. He's seeking to know about Jesus. He had questions. We know this because Luke tells us in verse 36 that he invited him to dinner. Now for us, that's no big deal. But in this culture, to invite someone to dinner was a mark of like, uh, uh, respect and love and intimacy. And like he wants, to, he wants to know about Jesus. So he invites Jesus into his home because he's interested. He's curious. It's, it's probably true that Simon knew Jesus had healed the sick. It's probably true that Simon had heard the stories too, that, that there were people who were lame that were now running, and there were people who were blind who were now seeing, and that, and that the widow's son who, had been de- who died is now alive. He, had, he couldn't deny the sheer magnitude and the sheer number of miracles Jesus had been, had been doing in, in their town. So he's interested. He wants to know more. So he invites Jesus in for a meal. So we have two characters. Well, three. We have Jesus, but then we have two. We have Simon the Pharisee, and we have the woman of the city, a sinner. Now, in their story, these two people respond to Jesus differently. You hear what I said? They each respond to Jesus differently, and they each receive a different response from Jesus. Let me say that again. They each respond to Jesus differently, and they each receive a different response from Jesus. And that's what we're going to walk through over the next few minutes. How they each responded to Jesus and the response they each received from Jesus. 
So first of all, let's, let's talk about the response of the woman towards Jesus. So here's this woman, a prostitute. This, uh, we can assume that, that her life has been very difficult. We can assume there's been lots of pain and there's lots of shame and embarrassment. We can assume that she's probably suffered at the hand of abusers. Uh, we can assume that she's probably been uh, in a lot of uh, heartache and painful situations most of her life. And she wanders into this house, and she's standing over Jesus. And so I want you to imagine Jesus is laying there on a couch or a cushion. His feet are there spread out in front of him. And she stands behind him, most likely, standing over him. And there's something that happens to her. And maybe this has happened to you. Maybe not. Have you ever been in a moment where you've just been overcome with emotion? Where it just comes out of a place down deep and you don't know where it comes from. You're just like all of a sudden, you can't, you can't control it. And you're, maybe you're in a setting where you're trying to tamp it down. And you're trying to say, hey, get, get control of yourself, Stephen. Don't embarrass yourself in front of these people. But she can't control it. Like all of a sudden, just up out of her comes this well of emotion. And she begins to weep. And she cries. And she weeps and her tears are falling and they're falling on Jesus' feet. And I can't help but think that maybe she notices that, right? She looks down and she's like, oh, I'm, I'm wetting his feet. And I don't think she made a plan. I don't think she was sitting at home the night before going, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to crown his feet and then I'm going to wash his feet. I don't think that's what's happening at all. I think she's just, she's just drawn to Jesus. She's just coming near him. She just wants to be close to him. She just wants desperately to touch him. And she gets over him and she's overcome with emotion and the tears are pouring out of her eyes and they're landing on his feet and she notices that and then she does something. And, you've, and it's easy to miss this. It's easy to miss this in the text completely because... In this culture, a woman would have not walked around publicly with her hair down. Her hair would have been up. So you did not go anywhere with your hair down. Actually, um, uh, uh, the Jewish leaders would allow it for grounds for divorce that if your, woman, if your wife dropped her hair in public, they would let you divorce your wife over that. This was a big deal. And so her hair is most likely up when she comes in the house. She's probably got her hair up probably. And she walks in and she, her tears are falling on his feet and she does something. She lowers her hair. She drops her hair. And this is this moment of vulnerability, this moment of openness, this moment of trust. So she, she lowers her hair and she, she gets down on her knees and she begins to wipe his feet with her hair. And then she, she pours an alabaster jar that she has around her neck. She pours an alabaster jar of perfume onto Jesus' feet. And again, it's one of those things, it's like, we don't really walk around with perfume in a little jar around our neck. But this was something that prostitutes did in this culture because it was a part of their alluring element. When you saw this little alabaster jar hanging around their neck, you kind of knew what they did. It was like the red light of their era. It kind of announced your business. And in this alabaster jar was perfume. And so the scent was meant to allure men to her so that she could perform her job. And what does the text say she does? That she pours out this alabaster jar on his feet. She's overcome with emotion. And she's doing all this in front of people who know who she is. Like they know who she is. You see, for this woman, Jesus is way more than a message. For this woman, Jesus is way more than a few miracles and raising the dead and making the, like for this woman, yeah, yeah, sure, he raised the dead and sure, he makes the blind see and he makes the lame walk, but he is way more than that to me. He's something bigger than that to me. There's something more going on for me. 
You see, for this woman, she's personally connected to Jesus. This is why John, this is why Luke is telling us that she's touching him because she's personally connected. She, she, it's, it's deeper than a message. And so by lowering her hair, she humiliates herself in front of all these well-to-do people. By emptying her perfume uh, jar, she's pouring out her tool as a prostitute. Can I say that again? By emptying her perfume jar, she's pouring out her tool as a prostitute. You see, with this action, it's easy to miss this, with this action of pouring out the alabaster jar of perfume, she is leaving her old life behind for the Savior she has found. She's saying, I'm not going back. I don't need this anymore. I'm not going back to that life. This would have been expensive perfume. This was something that she would have had to really save for to, to get. And she's saying, hey, I'm leaving all this behind. I'm repenting of that life and I'm leaving that old life behind and I'm going to a new life. You see, the woman's response to Jesus is she's now met Jesus. She's, uh, she, she knows his love for her and this love for her has changed everything about her. And she knows moving forward, her life will be different because she's received the one thing she desperately needed that we all need and she could not find till now. The love of Jesus Christ. And it was enough for her to pour out her devotion in front of all these people. But what about Simon? It's a whole different experience for Simon. Remember, Simon's a rule follower. He knows what this woman is. He knows who she is, probably. You see, Simon's watching Jesus. He invited, him, he invited him into his house, not because he was interested in knowing Jesus or being connected to Jesus. He, he invited him in to, to size up Jesus, to judge Jesus. And it's what he's doing. Almost from the get-go, he's assessing Jesus. And, and sure enough, when this woman comes in, how could he let this sinful woman touch him? Because you see, this is against the rules, Jesus the rules say, if she touches you, now you're ceremonially unclean. Now you've got a whole process to go through. Why would you let this woman touch you? Her sinfulness is leaking onto you. What Simon doesn't know is that's the whole reason Jesus came, was for our sinfulness to leak onto him. Listen to what Simon says. Uh, listen to what Luke says in verse 39. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this woman were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. You see, Simon responds to Jesus with judgment and assessment. He's not personally connected to Jesus. Jesus for Simon is a religious figure to be understood, assessed, and judged, and boxed in, put in a file, explained away. That is what Jesus is for Simon. Maybe that's what he is for you. He has no interest in being personally connected, him, connected to him. He has no desire uh, to know him or to be personally, surely not touching him. You see, Simon's judging Jesus from a, a position of, an, of, of knowing all the answers. <laughs> Anybody know it all? 
Anybody know a know-it-all? The thing about a know-it-all is you can't convince them they don't. They can't, you can't, you, you try to tell them you don't know it all. All right? You guys know that old quote. It ain't what you don't know that's your trouble. It's what you know that just ain't so. So, so Simon is, he's, he's looking at Jesus from this, he's judging and assessing Jesus from this position of knowing all the answers. He, he's in this lofty place of being right and knowing how the world works. And so he's assessing Jesus to see if Jesus is worthy of fitting into his assessment of how the world works. He's not interested in Jesus personally. Well, now we have Jesus' response to Simon. Because remember, they each responded to Jesus differently. The woman, personal, emotional, overwhelming. Simon, judging, assessing from his position of being right. And now we have Jesus responding to each of them quite differently. Really deeply different. So let's talk about Jesus' response to Simon. Jesus, he hears Simon's thoughts. He sees his thoughts. He knows what, he knows what Simon is sitting there thinking about this woman and her sinful self touching him. So he speaks up and he says, Simon, I have something to tell you. And Simon's like, I want to hear it. Speak up. And so then what Jesus does is he tells a little story. He's a master at this. When he's trying to make a point to us, he doesn't just come out and tell us like modern preachers. He tells a story and hoping that you're smart enough to pick up on it, what he's saying. And so he tells this little story. He said, you know, Simon, two people were in debt. Uh, one owed 50 and the other owed 500. But here's the thing, Simon. It didn't really matter how much they each owed because neither one of them could pay their debt. They were both in debt so far they couldn't pay it. So the lender, knowing that neither of them could pay the debt, he forgives the debts of both the debtors, the one who owed 50 as well as the one who owed 500. Let me ask you, Simon, which of the two would be more grateful? Now, he says that which of the two would love the lender more, but which of the two would be more grateful? Which one would be more loving to the lender? You think about that question for a moment. And Simon answers, well, I guess the one who's been forgiven the greater debt, the one who's been forgiven much. And Jesus replies, you got it. Now, what Jesus is doing in this story, as he does often with uh, his sayings, is he's connecting financial debt to sin debt. Let me say that again. He's connecting financial debt to sin debt. And so he's saying in his story that sin debt is like financial debt. And so neither indebted person in Jesus' story, in this little parable, neither one of these indebted people could pay their debt. It didn't really matter the size of the debt. They were both headed to debtor's prison. They were both done for. Whether it was 50 or 500, neither of them could pay it. They were both in a mess. As we would say, they were both in a sling, right? They were in trouble. So Simon is saying to Jesus basically this. Jesus is saying to Simon basically this. Simon, Jesus is basically saying, Simon, your sin, granted, it may be small, and in your own mind, it may be insignificant, but you cannot pay for it. You cannot pay for your sin. 
It's just not possible. You see, Simon, you've assessed your sin as being small and insignificant, especially compared to this woman who's wandered into this house. But Simon, what you need to know is that you've assessed the depth and the evil of your sin incorrectly. You, the problem, Simon, isn't what you don't know. The problem, Simon, is, Simon, is what you know that just ain't so you know in your own mind that your sin's not that big of a deal, that you're not that bad of a person. But, but Simon, you don't understand the gravity of your sin. You don't see that you can't pay it. You see, Jesus is responding to Simon like this. He's like, although Simon, you believe that your moralism and your good choices will somehow balance the scales of your small debt of sinfulness. You think that, that you can be good enough to counterbalance your little bit of bad. But that's just not the way it is. That's not how it's going to work. It's just not possible. See, for Simon, he doesn't really think he needs any forgiveness for his debt. I mean, listen, he believes that, hey, I think I can be good enough to pay back whatever sin debt I have for whatever little small things I've done wrong. And Jesus' parable is telling him, man, you cannot good deed yourself out of your sin debt. You can't be good enough to cancel it out. Simon probably thinks like a lot of you think. Have you ever heard yourself maybe say something like this? Listen, I know I'm not perfect because, I mean, who is perfect? But I'm better than most. And God should really recognize that. I love it that we tell God what he ought to do. And because this is Simon's response, he does not experience the love of Jesus he desperately needs. He doesn't get it. He doesn't receive the forgiveness that his sin requires. And it's simply because he doesn't think he needs it. He simply thinks he's good enough without it. And Jesus can't give it to him. Jesus has nothing for him. So that's his response to Simon. And it's a very different response that Jesus has to the woman. I mean, dramatically different. You see, our woman has zero silly notions that she could be good enough to pay off her sin debt. She recognizes how bad things have been. She sees herself clearly. Sometimes I will say in sermons, uh, for those of you who think you're good people, I want to just announce to you publicly that I'm not a good person. And without fail, it'll surprise some people. And I'll tell you this personally if we're ever hanging out. I'll say, you know, just so you know, I'm not a good person. Because here's the truth. I see the dark stuff that runs through my heart. And I recognize it as from the pit of hell. And I know that I need to be saved from it. I'm not a good person. You'll never hear me tell you that I am. I'm in need of a Savior. And this is what this woman recognizes. That she's not a good person. That she has too big of a debt. That she needs someone to save her. And Jesus does just that for her. He comes into this moment with her. He gives her the very thing she needs, which is forgiveness of her sin. And he removes her debt. He removes her shame. He removes the prison that she's been locked in by her sin. He takes her out of that prison and he sets her free 
Verse 48, he says to her, your sins are forgiven. And this really is a big deal for the people of the party that day. Who is he to forgive sins? That's the point is Jesus came to forgive us our sins, to put us back in right relationship with God. And so, so this woman, she came into the house needing. She was needy. She needed the love of Jesus. And she left that house filled with the love of Christ and her sins forgiven. Simon invited Jesus in, believing he needed nothing. And when Jesus left, that's exactly what he had. Nothing. We're all needy. Every single one of us. You need the love of Christ, and I need the love of Christ to forgive me of my sins and to put me back in right relationship with my Heavenly Father. But most of you, whether you're watching online, listening, sitting in this room, most of you will not accept that gift because you will not admit you have a need. You're pretty good. And God ought to recognize that. We can't accept it because we can't admit we're needy. We can't admit that, yes, I've done some things and I can't do enough good things to counteract them. I need to be forgiven that I need a personal Savior with Jesus. We can't admit that. And, and I'm telling you, our band's going to come up right now, and we're about to get ready to sing a song. I want you to, to hear me today. If you've never heard this message, if you've never heard it put to you this way, I want you to hear me say this very carefully to you. Your sin debt is beyond what you can pay. The scriptures tell us in Romans that the payment for sin is death. And so there is a payment that every one of us will make for our sin. And that payment is death. But the scriptures also tell us that for those of us who put our faith in Christ, that he paid that payment for us. In other words, his death was payment for my sin, so that I don't have to die for my sin. It, I, I need you to hear me say this. Listen to me. You cannot save yourself. You can't save yourself, man. No amount of trying and pushing and being determined to be good enough, you will find yourself not saved and owing payment for all of your sins. But if you come to a place today of recognizing that your debt of sin is more than you can bear, that you need to be forgiven, Jesus stands ready to give you his love. He stands ready to, to give you your greatest need. And listen to me, when you experience his love, you will respond just like the woman in the story. You will cry tears of joy. You will endure public embarrassment for him. You will pour out your resources and your pride for his glory. And you will leave your old life behind to find a brand new one. Because his love has that kind of power on us. But you can't get it if you don't admit you need it. And you will also do what this woman did, what he told this woman to do. In verse 50, he said, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. 
Go in peace. Can we, can we say those last three words together? Go in peace. One, two, three. Go in peace. Who wants to go today in peace? Who wants to live tomorrow in peace? You think this woman had been looking for peace her whole life? When you believe that you are in deep need for Jesus' love, you will receive it in faith and you will go in peace. But not one of us, not you and not me, will ever receive the peace of forgiveness of our sins without acknowledging that we need it. Jesus does not force his love on any man or woman. It's only those who acknowledge their need for it. Father, thank you for meeting our greatest need, the forgiveness of our sins, the payment of our sins. Thank you so much for, um, for this story of this woman who, uh, who was moved because of her the experience of her great love from you. I thank you, God, that um, that your love is that no one's outside of your love. You 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 reject no one. That day in that house, you would not have rejected Simon had he just simply acknowledged he needed you. There's just no doorway for you to walk in if we don't acknowledge our need. You reject no one. You are totally inclusive. You are the most inclusive there is, Jesus. We simply just have to admit we need you. And we have to just simply acknowledge that we need to be forgiven. Thank you for being who you are, Jesus. We pour out our love. For those of us who are believers in this room and online, we pour out our love on your feet. Because those of us who've walked with you, who've had our sins forgiven, man, we are grateful to you. We pour out our love on your feet now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.